This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. I'm going to tell everyone what happened. You're you're just getting back from the gym. You're busy. <laughs> you're watching the prospects. You're doing it all right now. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. Uh, it wasn't too bad. Uh, I just I got back late, so I had to yeah we had to talk about. It. I had to eat dinner was the real issue. I could have been on not that late, but uh, whew, I was hungry okay. and my bad. It's okay. Hopefully you guys have eaten. I'm not just like talking like, ah, yeah, sorry guys. I ate. <laughs> Whatever. I don't know. It's like 7.15. Feels late to me. I'm an old man. I had Jimmy John's earlier and it was really good. Oh, yeah. So I'm good for a while. You, uh, uh, I like the Italian one. Is it called the Vito? I don't, I don't remember. No, that doesn't sound, that reaction was a definite no. Well, here's what I have a problem with. I've been a Jimmy John's person for quite some time. They uh, once sent me a bunch of gear, and I was really hoping for some gift cards, but no, it was just sweatshirts. I am a slim three. Um, and oh, you know the numbers. Okay. I'm, well, yeah, oh, and man. the barbecue chips. I wish they would sell the barbecue chips in the store. They are so amazing. Your, your reaction was made me feel like I didn't know anything. I think it's the number five. Uh, but we had, a, we had Jimmy John's on campus. So when I went to shout out Youngstown State, go Gwens. Uh, yeah, we had a Jimmy John's on campus. So I used to get the veto from time to time. I, I was known to peruse. Not not that much. One quick story that is completely unrelated to this podcast and somebody's okay. going to be angry about. My, I have, my brother went with me to Youngstown State and there's a Taco Bell on campus. And I guess he went often enough. He, he was telling me in class the one day, uh, he said, yeah, I can't go to Taco Bell anymore. And I was like, why? He's like, One of the guys was walking around. He's like, what's your name? He's like, Mark. He said, Mark, I remember that. I'm trying to know all the regulars. Oh, <laughs> He's like, no. I don't want to be a regular at Taco Bell. You know, I know the Jimmy John's delivery guy, so it's totally fine. I mean, when you when you see these people over and over again, there, there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, some people say Jersey Mike's is better, but I'm a I'm a Jimmy John's person. But we'll move on from food talk. I'm glad you were able to eat some food before you talk cornerback room. Jonah Williams, a little Joe Burrow contract extension, and we'll go right to that right now. I think the NFL because this is kind of a semi-quiet period of time. Free agency is over. We've talked plenty about the prospects, and we'll get into the cornerback room later on this one. 
I want to focus on quarterback news. I'm going to be, I'll, I'll be honest. I was a little shocked. Not that Jalen Hurts was the first quarterback to get done, that it was complete in April for me personally. I know with the breakdown of the numbers, five-year deal, $255 million and guaranteed right around 180, around 179 for him. When I look at the numbers, it does, you know, right away people are like, oh, the highest paid quarterback, he's 50 or highest paid annually, 51 million right now, moves to number one. Uh, the guaranteed money is nothing like Deshaun Watson, but overall, I, I was just a little surprised. Jalen Hurts was the first quarterback to get done. Yeah, not really. I don't know. They just went to a Super Bowl. They're really happy with him. And he's probably the easiest one to get done, right? Because the other ones, I think around the league, at least Burrow. So you're talking about Burrow and Herbert. The yeah. other, they've got the extensions looming. At least Burrow, I think, is seen around the league as a little bit higher than Jalen Hurts. Um, I could be wrong on that, but uh, just from what I have seen and that ESPN thing they do every year will be interesting to see where Hertz ranks. Cause he wasn't on it last year and the athletic does one too, where he asks anonymously to the GMs and coaches and defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, et cetera. Like, where would you rank this quarterback? And Burrow was in tier one, like with Mahomes, with Allen, with Herbert Hertz wasn't. So did he make that jump this year? That'd be cool to see. And I, I'm, I'm willing to say, I, I think he's going to at least push for it. I think he'll be in the top five, six guys when they do the polls, but Burrow was already there last year. So I think, I think it makes sense. We were hoping Burrow would be the first one to sign. We were hoping in March. We are hoping in April. It could still happen in April, but uh, I think it makes sense for Joe to wait because in my opinion, around the league, he's probably out of those three seen the highest. I know there are Herbert truthers and I think you can make an argument, a good argument that, you know, I prefer Justin Herbert type argument. That's fine. And I think you could even make the Hertz argument and that's fine. I just think if you looked around the league and where these guys would rank among executives or among coaches, it would be Burrow number one. I could be wrong. Maybe this is a Homer take, but this is just, you know, it, I think this sets the floor for Burrow because this is how it always was. The first one to sign was going to set the floor for the other two. So if Hertz is seen as the lowest around the league, because Herbert and Burrow were both tier one last year in the athletic poll, and I think they're side by side in the SPN thing, they're, he's going to set the floor, and now the other two get to play Cold War. <laughs> this, this is great. They get to play Cold War. Who's going to sign first? Who's going to sign the next deal? And does Burrow push for 55 per year? Um I think the guaranteed contract is out of the window. Uh, to me, that was the Browns pooping their pants and then yelling at everybody else like, ha you have to smell it too. I mean, the whole joke about that last year, I, I think a lot of people looked at the Cleveland Browns and they were like, you guys are a desperate franchise and, you know, this could end up blowing up in their face. Um, you know, I know how people feel about the talents of Deshaun Watson, um, not last year. Well, we were able to see that sample size, but but prior to that being a top quarterback and it just felt like they were a very desperate franchise in that position. And it really didn't change the quarterback market too much. I mean, you could say that argument for Lamar Jackson, but he still I mean, and, and several reports have said has said he doesn't want a fully guaranteed contract. Who knows what's happening behind the scenes? But we'll, we'll stick with the Joe Burrow conversation. And I should say that Jalen Hurts definitely deserved that contract. It was a very of what he did and um this isn't a hot take when i say that jalen hurts was was the best quarterback in the super bowl personally when, when watching his performance 
Was that a hot take? Well, well, I think the only thing is he had that kind of bozo play. Okay, <laughs> where he, he was awesome though. I'm not trying to discredit him. I'm just thinking when you I'm thinking, yeah. man, do you want to give con they were both awesome. That's where I put it. Is okay. I think they were both really good. I think you could make the case. I think you could make a strong case either way. And if if you feel that way, I don't think you're wrong. I don't even think it's that hot of a take. I just think for me personally, I'm in the boat of like, yeah, that was just such a great game. It was. <laughs> I'm so neutral about this. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely was. And again, Patrick Mahomes is the top quarterback in the NFL. So definitely not taking anything away from him. And he has two Super Bowl rings and he's been really impressive in his time as a starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. But with the extension and kind of how it compares to Joe Burrow, I still feel very confident that we will see this contract before they get into training camp. The Bengals are really big on those training camp uh, contract extensions before they really get heavy into the preseason games and wanting to get that over with. Um, I, I think that for me personally, I still think that Joe will be right under right above Jalen and then maybe Justin Herbert's. Third. You think Herbert's going to push for third? Okay. I think he's going to be third. I truly I think... do. I think with the waiting, he's going to end up just above Jalen, like just above Jalen. Just above him? Yeah. I think Wait. I think if you're going to tier these quarterbacks, they're all probably around the same. If it's if it's off, it's by like it's half a tier or one tier. Just like I want to see somebody do it again or I want to see Her Herbert have playoff success. But when you're just looking at the talent, you're like, yeah, I mean, these guys are – I would pay them, I think, is, is where you are. You're just like, they're good. I'd pay them. What I'm looking for when it comes to Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, I was surprised it was a five-year extension for Jalen. Okay. And if the Bengals are able to get a five-year or six-year, I feel like that is an extreme win for the front office because the TV money is going to be crazy. The quarterback money in the next couple of years is going to just keep going insane. So Joe would still have a chance at another contract, um, you know, semi mid uh, early of his career. Um, he'd have a chance to get another payday if he, if he does shoot for the four year contract extension. But I think personally, if the front office is able to do five years or six, that would be insane. That would be that would be amazing by the Bengals front office, Duke to Tobin, Katie Blackburn. The thing is, I don't think we are going to see a Patrick Mahomes 10-year contract extension for Joe Burrow. I don't think that's smart for Joe Burrow's camp. And uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals, they would love it. They'd say, sign me up right now. We'll go ahead and pay you. But we don't know what those conversations look like behind the scenes. So me personally, if they can get five years with Joe, I think that's huge by the front office. Four still kind of semi scares me a little bit, but I know it's going to be on top of picking up the fifth year option. He's yeah. under contract this year. So it is a little further out uh, and almost like a six year contract, honestly. I just think if you can get five, that would be a big win for them. Yeah, I was about to say is uh, don't forget this isn't like if he signs a four year extension, that doesn't mean he's here through 2027, it means he's here through what, 2029. Mm -hmm. uh, because you're adding on the fifth year, you're adding on this year, and then the extension kicks in. So that's why when we always talk about, um, you know, like the cap is the Bengals only worry about the cap that much this year and next year. It's because this year and next year is most likely going to be still either rookie deal plus some money. You're, you're going to have to put some money in those in uh, those years to make it easier later. But rookie deal and then fifth year option, and then the real money kicks in. So that's why. At least I always talk about two more years, two more years of this cheap to cheap ish Joe Burrow deal. 
and you could really maximize everything. And then after that, that that's why these draft picks matter. <laughs> that's why you, you want to get cheap talent in places you need it. The uh, corner we're, we're going to talk about later, but like I wrote about edge and if you can get a good three tech, I wrote about that too. Like the defense, I think is what's going to take the biggest hit uh, monetarily because right now it's one of, if not the most expensive unit in the NFL. And you're able to do that. Like, who cares? You've got Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins on rookie deals. But if all three of those guys are signed to long-term deals in three years, they're going to take up a big chunk of the cap. You're still going to be paying some offensive linemen. That's why you want to start hitting some of these draft picks. That's that's why it gets tough to be like, yeah, throw a Cheeto an extension, throw a Trey an extension, throw a DJ an extension. That hurt me to say, but <laughs> you know, like throw all these guys extensions because you know the cap is only so. Throw Logan Wilson an extension. That one's you know, everybody keeps assuming that happens, and it, it it might, and I think it probably will. But you have to start getting cheap in places, and. uh Especially corner, that would be a great place to save money. And I think that is the biggest thing with the Bengals taking a corner would, sorry, Cheeto, but it would be, you know, you let Cheeto go. Or at least, you know, if Cheeto signs back, it's like a two-year deal or a one-year or three-year deal with an out in the third year uh, type thing. But if you can get cheap there, I mean, if you could have Cam Taylor Britt and another rookie contract for the first part of that Joe Burrow big money extension part of his contract, that's great. That's just, that's gravy. You know, that th- those corners take up a lot of money. So getting cheap there to get, to pay big money to wide receivers and quarterback is awesome. Yeah. If you look at the defensive side going into the 2024 season, I think we should just focus one year at a time because it is a little scary when you think about the guys you have under contract. And that's why I've kind of changed my mindset going into this draft. You mentioned it hitting on these draft picks and we'll get into the cornerbacks later. Personally, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a very defensive draft heavy first two rounds, three rounds. I know we've talked plenty about the wide receiver. You're going to need another running back. We still don't know what's going to happen with Joe Mixon, but you need to get younger and save money because that defensive line is a nice chunk of change right now. And we don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they're able to talk to DJ Reader. We've talked about his age before. And man, I don't want the I want DJ Reader to retire a Cincinnati Bengal. I, I love him on this team. And I think, man, if they could figure out a way to have that conversation with him and bring him back for another Absolutely. Two, 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 three years? Three what years. You- I think I think three. I think three and you're good. Uh this would be his last payday, really. So I think he'd want it. I don't think he's going to take a team friendly type of thing here, knowing this is probably the last payday if he does like a three, four year deal. Uh, but when I looked into those tackles, they don't drop off till about 32 years old on average, or that was at least the most common age. So you're talking about top man. It's hard not to say one, but you know, conservatively a top three nose tackle, in my opinion, the best in the league. I I'm fine paying him because when I talk about all that stuff about, you know, you want to maximize everything else. He has a bigger impact in my opinion. And I can go into this. We only have a minute left, but he has a bigger impact in my opinion on the rest of the defense than either Trey or Cheeto do. And both those spots require more athleticism and have a quicker drop-off rate. So if I was going to extend one, I know I am a reader guy, so maybe this is some bias, but I think I'd extend him because you don't need to devote all your resources to the run game because he's out there basically doing two guys' job. 
and you can allow your corners your it keeps your linebackers clean it allows your corners to you know have a little extra help be able to have too deep in coverage and be able to play a little more aggressive and uh, the pass rush i think would be the only issue which he was a pretty good pass rusher last year so if he's able to do that too i mean awesome but that's why i would be looking at corner and edge early in this draft because i want to get a, a good corner for the future and i want to get a guy that makes a difference as a pass rusher yeah and you bring up the payday for him and of course that's going to be extremely important but also one of the things i remember about dj reader when he chose cincinnati over i want to say the denver broncos was the quarterback position he knew the cincinnati Bengals were going they were going to draft joe burrow the next month after they signed him. And I think that's absolutely huge. You kind of feel it with Jermaine Pratt and him signing with the Cincinnati Bengals this offseason, which was a huge surprise. One of their best defensive players, they were able to get him back on a really good deal. They didn't overpay for him at all. And the big part was he felt they were so close. So again, guys are going to want to get paid in the NFL. Uh, they're going to go to teams that are going to pay them. But for some, it could be a payday and you get to stay with a team that you feel like is one of the top in the AFC, and maybe that's going to be important too. But, yeah, I don't want to think about DJ Reader playing for another team. I hope that's one of the guys that they can maybe figure out a way to extend. I know they have a lot of extensions to worry about when we talk about the core, the uh, the majority of this offense. Um, you know, to be determined with Teagans, I do want to get to that next. But, uh, yeah, they have some, some front office decisions to make on the defensive side of the ball, but got to hit some of those defensive draft picks, and maybe we'll see that uh, week from Thursday and Friday. More on the Bengals showing up to offseason workouts, a little cornerback room we've already talked about, and some positive news for Cheeto when we get back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Plenty of extension talk. We will be talking about Joe Burrow and extension for quite a few months over this offseason. They'll be uh, continuing their offseason program. Joe Burrow was there. Uh, you know, some of the other players were, were there. Joe Mixon was there. T. Higgins wasn't there for the first day. Jamar Chase wasn't there for the first day. Tyler Boyd, Sam Hubbard's working at home. Jonah Williams wasn't there, which isn't surprising at all. For me personally, I don't look too much into off-season program workouts because a lot of guys work out with their trainers in other cities, uh, maybe where their other houses in their hometown. Uh, none of that's you know a huge deal when you get into the OTAs, minicamp. Some of that does get canceled for the Cincinnati Bengals over the last couple of years. Zach Taylor um, ends up ending camp a little bit early when they get into June, but the main focus is going to be training camp. Who's going to be there for training camp? Will Jonah Williams, if he's a part of the team, be there during training camp? And Zach Taylor uh, talked to the media on Monday when they did get there and they arrived at Paycor. Of course, Jonah Williams was one of the guys. He was asked if he's had any conversations with Jonah Williams ever since Jonah Williams had his trade request. And, and Zach 
not really that surprising. I didn't take it as positive or negative, but he said, you know, those conversations are private with the players. What did you think of um, Zach Taylor's comments and, and Jonah not being there? Coach speak. <laughs> yeah. Always. It's, I mean, like, I guess if there was a revelation and Jonah Williams was like, you know what, coach, I'm going to play right tackle no matter what. Take away my trade. He would have said something like, uh, Jonah and I worked it out. We're fine. Uh, but I assume Jonah's still like, yeah, if you could find a trade partner, trade me. And I should front office. It's like, if we find the right value, we'll trade. And, uh, but I don't think Jonah would hold out. I, I also don't think he's relatively happy with the organization. I don't know. Uh, coach speak to me. <laughs> like, uh, I assume Zach is going to be nice and a good, he's a good leader. He's a good leader of his, he's a good player's coach. He's going to be nice to his players. He's going to protect their privacy. If things aren't going that well, he's not going to blast them in the media. Uh, doesn't do any good. So I think it's all just coach speak and no need to look too far into it. I don't think it gives us any hint towards anything. Yeah. I mean, the thing about Jonah Williams, we've talked plenty on the podcast. Some people are high, some people are low on him. Uh, a lot of people ever since he wanted his trade request are like, get rid of him. And again, there has to be two parties for the Cincinnati Bengals to get rid of him. They won't give him away for just a box of footballs, uh, even though I think some of the fan base wish they would. Uh, so Jonah Williams is currently on this team. I still feel like he'll, if he's not at training camp, he will be ready before regular season gets here. Kind of a similar situation with Jesse Bates last year. Um, he's going to want to get paid. If he doesn't show up, he's not going to get paid. And um, you're not helping yourself in any way if you don't go and show up for this final year, if you want to go move on to another team, if they don't find a trade partner, because if someone sees you sit out for you, they're going to be like, oh, I didn't get to see Jonah Williams. The last time I saw him, this is what he looked like a left tackle. The thing is, Jonah Williams can't guarantee himself that he's going to go to another team and play left tackle. That team could do whatever they want with him. Uh, so me personally, we won't really know any of those conversations behind the scenes. I just didn't feel like Zach Taylor said a whole lot. I don't, didn't feel like Zach meant, oh, no, that means he's definitely gone. Um, because Zach says the conversations are private. Zach does that all the time with all the players. And I felt like he handled the Jesse Bates situation over the last couple of years really as professional as you can. I don't really think there was anything, you know, too much to look into for, for Jonah Williams to be determined if he's a starting right tackle in September. But I do want to bring this up because I thought about it. Jackson Carmen was there. And if you would have told me September, October of last year, Jackson Carmen it's going to be a possible option for right tackle or starting offensive line or depth piece with this offensive line in 2023. I would have said, no way he's not on this roster at all. And, uh, Trags, one of the, uh, the Bengals beat writers actually tweeted out and said he looked pretty thin for Jackson Carmen coming into his off season workout. So, you know, maybe he, is excited for this opportunity. Zach Taylor said he's in the mix for the right tackle position. Lyle Collins, um, he wasn't there for the offseason program so far. He's working back at home. So we don't know what Lyle looks like, but he's a possibility at right tackle. What do you think about the mixture of these three players um, if we don't even bring in a rookie right now? I think it's Jonah's job to lose. I think Collins won't be ready for week one. So Carmen will be the main competition. I will say... I feel like deja vu right now. Like we did this last year, Jackson Carmen, the vegetable pizza, all these stories about how he was able to keep his weight down. 
and then he lost his job to a fourth round rookie from North Dakota State. So I, I, I'm not going to buy fully in <laughs> because there's a report. Jackson Carmen looking pretty thin right now. It's like, okay. <laughs> I missed the vegetable pizza story. That was totally one that I missed on Jackson Carmen. Yeah, they, they, he talked about how he lost weight with vegetable pizza or something. I, whatever. That This is peak off season. We're already hitting it. Yeah. Not, not my man. I'm gonna have to talk about this for months. Hey, <laughs> I am admitting now, man. I don't care about like off-season hype stories about how guys are like in the best shape of their lives. It usually doesn't mean that. It usually is just like sure. <laughs> it, half the time, it means that guy's washed. <laughs> like I'm sure Zeke's been in the best shape of his life the past four years. So uh, Mike uh, isn't high on Jackson Carmen right now. Being <laughs> I don't want to say I'm low. He saved his career with the that playoff with that playoff run uh, because you and I both agreed he was probably a cut mm-hmm. uh, before the injuries, and he stepped in and played at a decent level. So I, I think he saved his career. I'm not trying to be too low on him. I'm more so low on offseason weight stories. Those are the ones I don't unless a guy comes in and then tracks. <laughs> Tweets out like, just, I don't want to use that. Insert name, really ballooned up. It doesn't look like good weight. That's what I'll believe the offseason story. I'm like, whoa. You know what? And I love our beat writers. Um, half of them are, are pretty much the majority of them are my friends, but they are really nice about these players. They don't, they are, it's not like the Boston media or the New York media when they will just slam them. Um, no, they're, if, they're, if, they're, if they're mean, I feel like fans really get on them. That's true. If they try to criticize players at all, uh, but if Joe if Joe Mixon's ballooned up, I can trust Kelsey. Oh, <laughs> <Say something> <laughs> <laughs> um, I just think she's honest about him. That, that's I don't mean that in a bad way for Kelsey. I mean I think she's honest about like the Mixon situation, and nobody else really is. So uh, I I'm, I don't mean to I wasn't trying to slam her or Mixon. I just think like. I'm not trying to slay the other reporters too. I just think she's the only one that might actually say something. That happens. We'll just say everybody's amazing. Everybody does a great job covering the Cincinnati Bengals. But yeah, yeah, everyone's amazing. Absolutely amazing. And I look forward to all the coverage um, and, and hearing what's happening during the offseason workouts. And like, this is where we're at right now. We're talking about Jackson Carmen, which is actually a little surprising for me. But as far as the storylines, nothing really crazy. Um, I want to go to Joe Mixon because – Again, you're going to hear the Bengals have gone to Joe Mixon and they've said, you know, we want to talk about a pay cut. None of that is surprising. And that's what the Bengals front office should do. That makes sense if they are trying to work out some of these extensions. They're like, you know what, we can save money on Joe Mixon and put it towards this. Um, And maybe those conversations have already happened. Joe Mixon is there. He's already been there. And I think that looks good on Joe Mixon. You know, I, a lot of things have happened this offseason, and he's been in the news a lot. I know fans feel about 50-50 on if Joe Mixon should be the running back next year, but are you surprised to see him see him there? And, um, I mean, I, I'm still at a big question mark what this team's going to do. Joe Mixon has always been a pretty consistent locker room presence and leader of the team. Um, off-field stuff not considered here. I'm not that surprised. Uh, I just – that sounds like – Joe to me. I also think uh, he knows about everything because uh, he had a media question. Somebody's like, you have time for anything? And he just said something. It was something like um, year seven, ready to roll. And then left. <laughs> I was like, 
Good for you. Uh, I, he's a. I think what we miss in the whole conversation about his contract is he's a good player. Like he on the field is he's a good player. And um, is that worth whatever in the current running back market? What I, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but I I actually got an interesting question, which was what would make Joe Mixon worth his current cap hit? And honestly, I think we forget, but probably 2021, it's just that they can trust him in pass protection. So he's not off the field for two minute drill. That I think would make him worth the cap hit because he's, he's an excellent runner when he's healthy and he's been a good receiver. There's just been one aspect missing with everything. And that is the, that uh, you probably also can't have a high, high profile running back added to the team as well, you know, like uh, a round one, round two type to make him worth that deal. Cause you're going to give that guy touches. But if you have a round three or later running back and he is giving you 2021 production and he can pass protect, he's worth the $12 million. I think that is, I think some people would say like, there's nothing that can make him worth that, but I don't, I don't believe in that. I, I don't know. I, I think he's a good player. I just want to give some context to everything with him because want to treat him fairly too. I know we talk a lot about the cap hit. I just wanted to get that off field stuff, not considered in any of this. I know that there is quite a bit of that going on. So uh, I'm going to let that sort itself out, not insert myself into it. That is exactly what the Bengals front office is doing. Uh, We don't hear from them often, but Katie Blackburn pretty much had similar statements. That's going to, that's not something that she's going to insert any opinion in or, um, you know, add to any of the Joe Mixon questions. And that's going to, that's a Joe Mixon thing. He's, you know, working on that. We don't know a lot when that's all going to be finished, but I think you bring up a good point. You've actually said this uh, maybe a couple months ago about Joe Mixon. We do talk about the cap hit a lot. And believe me, I've been exhausted with this conversation with Joe Mixon, with Jonah Williams, two of the people we talked about in this segment. Uh, but but overall, it wasn't just give Joe Mixon a pay cut just to give Joe Mixon a pay cut. Mm-hmm. You know, that didn't make sense because Joe, you know, he has been a really productive player for the Cincinnati Bengals. And for me personally, I'm all about if Joe. If Joe Mixon is Joe Mixon and, and he can be a talented running back out there in 2023. He helps this offense and he's better on this squad than, than someone else's. So I'm totally fine with that. What what happens with players and their money and what they should be getting and what should they should be, you know, be asked or the team should be asking for let that's just it's hard to talk on that for for a player and give my opinion of what I think they sh- they're worth. Um but I remember you saying that, and I don't think people bring that up enough when they're they're talking about Joe Mixon and, and the salary cap of, you know, don't just cut his contract just to cut it. Don't don't just tell Joe Mixon to take less just to take less. You know, where are you putting that money? Um, you know, if you don't really need to save it, and I feel like the Bengals front office has a pretty good ideal look of where they are financially <laughs> with some of these extensions with Joe Burrow with T Higgins. Um, they have Jonah Williams is obviously $12 million. So yeah, I, I remember you bringing that up and I was like, you know, I just, we don't, we don't talk about it enough. I don't think. Yeah. And if he does take the pay cut, uh, like they're talking about, um, I think there was some speculation that he is being asked to take the pay cut that coincides with extensions too. It doesn't just mean bringing in other guys. Um, but the extensions are going to increase the cap hit for this year for T Higgins for Logan Wilson for Joe Burrow, especially. So if he takes the pay cut to keep those guys long-term, that makes sense early on in frenzy. I was definitely all about like 
you know, if you're going to bring a guy in, it makes total sense. And I, I still kind of am there. Like if you wanted to bring in Zeke and you cut Mixon's contract and then the running back room makes the same amount of money, but you have two good players now. I do think Zeke has a very – he's a super role player, I think, at this point in his career, but he's still good at it. Um, he could be a short yardage guy. Mixon can too, but he can also pass protect like nobody else. So if you need to replace that P Ryan role, there's your guy. Um, but yeah, I've been about, especially don't cut Mixon just to save money, but don't even ask him for the, for the pay cut. If you don't like, if you have nothing you're going to do with that money, what's the point? Uh, that's where I've always been on this. So I'm not asking a guy to take a pay cut just to, you know, I need, I can't pay that much to a running back. There has to be something with it for me. You know, like it's, that kind of works with the, it doesn't work as much with the Jonah Williams, but like if you're going to trade Jonah Williams for like a fifth round pick or something, that would also have to be with another move to me. But if you're going to trade him for like a third, that's just good value. Yeah. <laughs> right. But if you're going to trade him for pennies on the dollar, I don't see the point in getting rid of players just to save money when, you know, that that's just, uh, that's what, that's, that's what, you know, I, I don't want to say it, but. That's what bad teams do because it happens all around yeah, the NFL. Yeah, yeah. I was also thinking of baseball teams. I know one in town, uh, but uh, but uh, but no, I, it happens all the time. You see a player go for a fifth, and you're like, "How in the world did that player go for a fifth? And then you look at the front office, who got rid of him, and you're like, "Oh, that makes sense." You know, the the way they did that, and I, I that's why I think Jonah Williams is still on this roster right now. Look. Can, would I be surprised if they trade him for a fifth? Actually, I would <laughs> when it comes to my problem <laughs> office. I think they would rather just say, Jonah Williams, you're either going to play or you can, you, you can just sit out and not make $12 million. Um, that's just that's just how they are. Um, and that is fine with me. But I, yeah, that's, that's not how this front office works during this time period. But I do want to say one thing when it comes to the running back room. I saw a mock yesterday and they keep changing. I'm over them. I want people just to rip them up and throw them away. But I saw one where it had Bijan, and I've said this before, where he goes to the Buffalo Bills. And I need a live cam on you because they pick one pick before the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, how would you feel if Bijan's still there and the Bengals are bills away from them picking? I would be surprised. I don't think the – I'm not a bills expert. I don't think they value the position like that. That's just what I'll say about it. I think they spent a second-round pick on it last year, and to them, that's spending a first-round pick on it. We'll also say Bijan, top 10 player, top five player in this class. This that To me, that's an easy pick. Uh, he – could fall because of running back value, but man, I am taking that guy over so many guys that are in the late half of the first round. Uh, if I don't have a real first round grade on a guy, I'm taking Bijan over him. So if I've got like a late first, you know, that that's Bijan time. Take him over Dewan Jones or taking him over. Shoot, I probably take him over. I probably take him over Darnell right? I don't know. I think Bengals fans get mad at me about that. Uh, they also got Damian Harris's offseason. Thank you, Nick. So they are. This is plenty of money that they are spending and capital they're spending on the running back position. I will say, I would be upset because I think that makes their team much better as well. I wouldn't like it because of that. Uh, but you know, let them take some guy that I don't know. But hopefully they. I don't care that much. I don't know. Like, to me, I'm more worried about the Chiefs. I know people keep trying to say the Bills are the top dog in the AFC or right there. And they are near there. It's just 
they're not the Chiefs. <laughs> so if I'm going to worry about another team in the AFC, I'm going to worry about the Chiefs. Yeah, and I think the Chiefs would say the same thing about the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they would say that's their biggest competition. You never hear the Chiefs talk about their own division. It is the Cincinnati Bengals all the way. I think some fans were were more impressed with the AFC Championship win over a Super Bowl, which is absolutely wild to me. Uh, but we'll move on. I want to talk quarterback. Still want to get to the tight end room and more on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Plenty of conversation. Jalen Hurts extension, how that really impacts Joe Burrow. We talked a little Jonah Williams, Joe Mixon. I want to move on to the tight end position again. I know when you hear from a head coach, people are like, hanging on to every word. Well, this is what Zach said, and they re-signed Drew Sample last week. They will not go tight in at 28. Herb Smith is going to be the uh, Hayden Hurst starter. He's, he's going to fill that role. As Zach Taylor mentioned that comparison of, of what Herb Smith is going to be for this offense. I don't look too much into it. I think if Michael Mayer's there or another top tight end, you could even say Dalton Kincaid, which it really feels like the hype is real for him, and he will be long gone before the Cincinnati Bengals pick. Uh, but look, they could still go tight end. None of that would surprise me at all with their moves. Uh, what do you think about what Zach Taylor said, Irv Smith, and, and how do you feel about Drew Sample coming back? No real opinion on Drew Sample coming back. I mean, it's fine. Uh <laughs> It shouldn't it stop so you from making a move, right? It shouldn't stop you from making a move. Like, Drew Sample's back. Now we can't go tight end round one. Yes, you can. <laughs> I haven't seen the contract. I, I can't assume that it, it's too lofty. I'm okay with Drew Sample if, you want, if he's tight end two, though. I mean, he probably is if you're not drafting a round one or round two tight end. Even if you get a guy you love. You love, like, Luke Schoonmaker or whoever who – I think Luke Schoonmaker does have kind of Drew Sample vibes. Uh, but uh, if you love him and you think, like, that guy's that guy's got it, it's probably Drew Sample tight end two, and that guy's your tight end three. I uh, He's fine. That, that is where I am with Sample. He provides some value with his blocking. He provides some not value with his receiving and falling over at times. But I like him overall. I think he's fine as tight end two. I like him more than Asi Asi. Uh, I don't think he messes up plays, but Irv's the tight end one, at least right now. Do you think if they get – so I think with Michael Mayer, that guy's probably tight end one by like week two. When do you think like if the Bengals go Tucker Craft or Sam Laporta at 60, do you think they become tight end one during the season or do you think it will be next year or do you think it will even be like week one type of thing? What would be your estimation for that? Uh, what's the health on Herb Smith? How's he looking? Looking great. <laughs> Healthy all year for some reason. Okay. All right. Herb Smith, high potential. Herb Smith is going to get like a three-year, $25 million contract next year. Um, just If he's healthy. If he's healthy, it just feels like that's going to happen. Good news is he's young. Um, and maybe that's what the Cincinnati Bengals. If I'm picking a 60-round tight end, I would say by week six. Ooh. It feels early for me. Really? I don't know why. Tell me why. Uh, I think both the, I think outside of Michael Mayer, most of these tight ends are still fairly raw, at least with some aspect of their game. And I uh, I feel like Irv's good. Like I I don't I wouldn't say he's a great tight end, 
there's potential for him to get better, but I think he's fine. I think he's definitely starting level tight end. I was very happy with the signing, especially for when it happened and the foster thing and uh, hearing he's better. That's awesome. Or at least yeah, it's getting better. Awesome. Uh, but like they didn't get, you know, they didn't get Schultz on that one year deal. They didn't get anybody else. So I was like, I remember, I still remember having the doomsday in my mind of like, after Irv is, is it Mercedes Lewis? Is it Dan Arnold? Like who is, who is next on the list? It's not a good list of names. Um, Shaheen always shout out. Uh, but yeah, I, I like Irv. So I would put it more at week 10, but that'll be interesting. If they go tight, if they go tight end at 60, I'll remember this and uh, we'll see who's closer. Well, the thing about the tight end position, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I just don't feel like the Bengals utilize it enough that maybe that rookie tight end, I wouldn't say it if it was at 28, but maybe in the second or third round that it won't be a huge impact in year one. Um, we could say the same thing for Irv Smith. What would you think if, if Irv Smith is healthy and the Bengals do go tight end around 60, what do you think his numbers would look like? Ooh, that's a great question. In my mind, if he's healthy all year and like they don't go tight end until round four or something that doesn't even matter for him, my mind says he goes about 600, 650 yards. So if he's healthy for half the year, that's 300. Even if he's not the tight end one by week 10, week 12, whenever, I want to say he'd still push 500 yards. Uh, I don't want to say touchdowns. Those are kind of unpredictable. And Irv's actually kind of short. So I'm not sure how often the touchdowns are coming. T. Higgins is still, you know, he's the red zone threat. Uh, Irv's kind of short for the tight end position, but uh, I'm all about it. If he could score, that'd be great. But yeah, um, I want to say that he'd push 500 yards somewhere around there. What did what did Hurst end up with? I want to say he was only at like 550. Yeah, it was around that number. So that's why I'm like, man, I know we've talked a lot about the tight end position when they lost Hayden Hurst and then CJ Uzama the previous year, which I felt like Hayden Hurst was more of an impact player. But look, that could just be recency of, of seeing <laughs> players out there, to be completely honest with you. All right. Are you take doing a guess. comparison? No, take a guess, though. How many yards did Hayden Hurst have last year? 612. 414. What? Yeah. That shocked me too. I thought it was over 500. <laughs> I'm going to, I, I bet if you ask social media without looking it up, what yeah. Aiden Hurst had last year, a lot of people would say in the 500s. That is yeah, very shocking. That's what it felt. He did miss time. So maybe it was like a 500 or so yard pace. Yeah. And he missed a few games. They went undefeated in those games. Um, my, <laughs> They did. I don't want to think the AFC Championship ball that he missed. I just don't want to. Ah, don't even talk to me. I had I had the Hayden Hurst first touchdown score bet. <laughs> One of the only times I've bet on something. I was like, oh my god, it's such a long shot. And, uh, I'm still upset. Anyway, um, I think the tight end in the Bengals offense is more so for functionality than it is for explosive plays or anything like that. It's for that short yardage pickup first down types, um, rather than you know what the saints used to do with like Jimmy Graham or what you see with Kelsey or what you see with Kittle or Waller, Andrews, etc. Now that could be the case in a few years when, sorry, Boyd is probably gone. Then that means that tight end might, might have to take a bigger role. 
in the passing offense, but where it is right now, like for this season, it's more so just keeping the offense functional. You're in the passing pattern, but you're probably the check down or the third option, or you're, if you're the first option, it's short yardage type plays, quick game. So where I am with the Bengals tight end, at least as it stands, is I kind of agree with you where it's not overly important in the offense. It's more so to keep the offense as as well oiled of a machine as it can be. Um, I'm just not sure what, what's the ceiling. And this actually makes me want to go back on the earth thing. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm high. If Hurst only got 414, maybe pushing 500, if he doesn't, isn't even as tight end one by week 12 is a little out there, but who knows? Maybe they don't even need a tight end. Maybe they're just, no, maybe I'm getting a little too optimistic. Sad Moss time. Oh no. Um, <laughs> they don't need a tight end. But that's see, we, everybody was freaking out all over the offseason. If Herb Smith stays healthy, I mean, he might be enough for now. Look, I still think they get a rookie tight end. Maybe it's not a 28, and, and maybe it's not the second round, and, and it's more focused to the third round if their defensive players are there. Um, it really just sounds like when you hear from the front office, their main thing is best player available. And I think that's the right mindset when you go into this draft in about a week. That's what you have the value of doing on, on both sides of the ball. One thing I do want to say about Irv Smith before we go back to the cornerback or before we get to the cornerback room, Irv Smith's dad is the biggest Bengals hype man. I know. I love it. I love everything about it. He has two day once a day almost. <laughs> He's awesome. I, man, that's what a supportive dad. I love it. I know. I, yeah. I absolutely love it. I'm like, you know what? We, we, they already got a hype man and, and Irv Smith's dad, so I'm all about it. Um, so, yeah, Irv Smith, Irv Smith season. Um, I'm here for it. Uh, we'll We're move doing, over. Uh, like three minutes of corners. <laughs> I, we really was this. I'm going to be completely honest with everyone. This was going to be a cornerback segment, but tight end really has taken up the majority of the offseason. And I just said it probably won't even impact this offense next year. And it's the only position group that I feel like we spent so much time talking about. So we are going to move on to the cornerback room. Now, my mind has changed. I went from speaking of tight end at 28 to I'm convinced they should go cornerback at 28. For me personally, I think fans freak out because they're like, no, 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 no. Why would you do that? Cheeto's going to be ready for week one. Cam Taylor Britt's out there. You got Mike Hilton. You know, this this secondary is fine. We need to get another impact player. Um, you know, what if he doesn't play? No, no, no. Injuries can happen. When I think about the AFC championship game, when I think about the playoffs, when I think about those important games in the season, you never know when something's going to happen. Yes. Did they go on a 10-game win streak? after they lost one of their best defensive players? Yes. If you would have told me that on that October 31st night, I would have said you were absolutely crazy. They won't be able to do that without Cheeto and injuries happen. Cam Taylor Britt was able to step up. Eli Apple was there. They had a depth piece who could step in and be a starter. And he was, he was okay. I don't feel like they have that yet in their cornerback room, especially with uh, Cheeto coming off of his injury. I think it's extremely important to get depth there. And we've said it already. You need to get cheaper on the defense side of the ball. How are you feeling about the cornerbacks and what is your mindset now at 28? Uh, I think corner is probably going to has the best chance of being BPA out of all the positions at 28. Uh, if Deontay Banks is there, that's probably BPA. And there's so many good corners. I feel like people have had the Emmanuel Forbes blinders on, which to me is like, oh, I'm not the biggest on him, but you know, if you, maybe he could be Marcus Peters and that that's good. That's a good first round pick. Um, I do think it's funny. Like, I think some of the people that are all about Forbes are the same people that make fun of Trevon Diggs. And you're, 
it's the same archetype, man. <laughs> like he's probably going to get beat at times. He's probably going to get plenty of picks. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we move on. I like Trevon Diggs too. So maybe maybe I'm too low on uh, Forbes for my own good. One guy I don't think we talk about enough is Cam Smith from South Carolina. I like him more than Forbes. He's also kind of slender, but he's not. He he played. He weighed in at what Forbes wants to weigh in at, and it's like twenty pounds away from. So he's slender, but you know there's room to grow there. And if even if he doesn't, it's okay. Uh, I he's got such a good ability to close on the ball. When I was watching him, he to me reminded me of uh, Dominique Rogers Cromartie, but without the top top end like top flight speed because. Cromartie was like a 4-2-9 corner, and I think he's like a 4-4. But if you looked at their 10 yards and 20-yard splits, it's the same. It's just he doesn't have that that fourth gear to run with like Tyree Kill or whoever, which you shouldn't leave a guy one-on-one with Tyree Kill no matter what. He's really – he's aggressive in press. Uh, I think he could use some work there. I like him in um, – I like him when he's playing zone. I think he's a good athlete. I think he's a fluid athlete. I, I'm not sure why he doesn't get any love, it seems, from Bengals fans. It seems like, you know, it's Banks, Forbes, or, you know, if Porter somehow falls. But I like I like Cam Smith. I haven't checked out DJ Turner, Julius Brents, or Tyreek Stevenson. I think they're the next three. They're on my list. But that would probably be the guys at 60 you'd be looking at. But, yeah, man, I, I'm about Cam Smith. And I, I don't know why he also gets pegged a little bit as a slot corner. The only game I saw him play in the slot was against Tennessee – and the reason he did that was Jalen Hyatt was in the slot. So he's trying to follow that guy. With Cam, uh, I'm starting to see more hype around other teams in the AFC North. I want to say he went on a visit with the Ravens or the Steelers, and that could be a possibility. He could be gone before the Cincinnati Bengals pick at 28. Um, but I, I'm starting to see a little more hype. But I do agree with you. I felt like there was a little bit of a negative reaction to him early on because the Bengals had interest. Um, and I want to say they've also had visits with him. But at the same time, um, it's just feeling more, and, and we, we've talked about it on the podcast, it's just really feeling like they are, of course, best player available, but it really feels like they'll lean into the, the cornerback position, and I don't blame them at all because now I see it. I think about the playoffs, as I mentioned already, during regular season, injuries can happen. Is it a tight end that you need out there, or would it be the cornerback room and the secondary of having that depth and really important? And you could look at the Kansas City Chiefs. They, they did a great job last year in their NFL draft um, and in the AFC championship game alone in their secondary uh, that was able to stop T Higgins. And I, I was able to defend both receivers and the offense really couldn't get anything down the field for a while. So I think all of that's extremely important for the Spengals defense and they just got, they got to start saving money somewhere on, on one side of the ball. And that's probably the best position to do it. Yeah. They had a, they had a coach at his pro day. So that, that was, I think, the meetings they've had with him. They had a combine and a top 30 with Emmanuel Forbes. They had a combine and a coach at Keeley Ringo's Pro Day. Um, somebody went, uh, they had somebody at Clark Phillips. Com- they met with him at, uh, sorry, they met with him at the combine. Uh, obviously, Darius Rush is Cam Smith's teammate, so a coach was at his Pro Day as well. And they met with Garrett Williams at the combine. So there was, uh, there's, they're interested in corner. They, they've, they've spent plenty of time. I do think, 
I, I do think we have to be a little bit careful with like, ooh, two meetings. They're more interested in that guy because to me, that actually almost signifies the opposite. Like they've got questions. They've got serious questions about that guy. And it makes sense with Forbes. It's the obvious. It's the elephant in the room. It's like, it's the weight thing. They want to talk to him and see if they can, you know, are you in love with him? Are you willing to take him as an outlier? But also, do you think he can gain the weight? Do you think he's in the right mindset to work and put on good weight type thing? And that's that's just where it is right now. I, I'm same with Ringo. Ringo, they've met coaches pro day and they met with him at the combine. They're interested in Ringo. They met with him twice because they have questions. They're like, your hip, your hips are real tight. <laughs> you know, like you don't turn too well. We already have one of those on the outside. Uh, so uh, I think I think when you start seeing multiple visits, can't do they have that with Dewan Jones as well? I'm trying to think. Uh, I know they met with him at least once, maybe just the top 30 visit, but I still think when you have those multiple visits, it's more so because there's a split in the front office about, you know, somebody wants this guy, somebody doesn't, or it's, we've got questions and we need to meet with you a second time. I, I think people think of it almost like jobs where like, ah, these guys move to the second interview. Those are the ones we need to focus on. Uh, Dax Hill didn't meet with the team before. <laughs> They selected him, at least reported. That's what I always keep going back to. Is like they could just draft a guy. Like they don't have to meet with him. They're not a team that meets with everybody they draft. Dax Hill and uh, like a Jamar Chase, they are the guys in the job interview where the employer meets with them and says, "Look, we have to post the job online for HR reasons. And as soon as it's posted, we just need you to apply. You're going to get the job. <laughs> That's pretty much. It's not like we need to meet several times or anything like that. It's it's yours. It's really yours to lose if you don't want it. We totally understand. But uh, um, yeah, I, I don't look too much into these visits or anything like that. It really feels like the Bengals are out there on a lot of different players and position groups, which is good for them. Um, I'm so oh. glad we're going to talk about real players soon. I know, right? Well, these are real players. They're just college players. I mean, real, like, it's not, like <laughs> they're playing with them on their team. Uh, Tuli Tui Pelotu was the other guy that they've had multiple visits with. I remembered now. And, I mean, the reason they did that is because he didn't test. So they need to see him a few times. Luana Rubo flew all the way out to USC to watch him. So that that's one guy. There's, I do think when they have those multiple visits, there's definitely interest. I just wouldn't take it as they are more interested in that guy than they are the other guys they've met with once. What's going to be crazy? We're going to go over all. We've, I think we've named like a hundred players between the end of the season and now, and that will go like some random position group, and it won't even be the guy that we were ever thinking. I've watched so many guys that if they once again select a guy I did not watch, I'll be, I'll be a little upset. I'll be a little upset. Uh, well, I'm not even saying nervous because there's a way it works, but man, like, uh, man, come on. I watched like everybody, but I didn't watch uh, JSN. So if they go with him, that's what they, like, they would do. They would I wouldn't be upset about it. I would be upset with the process where I was like, I didn't watch because I didn't think it would happen. They that they are one of those teams over the last couple of years. If he's there, they're like, yep, one hundred percent. Go ahead and 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 come join our team. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm pumped. Uh, we're gonna have great Cosella next week, which I'm really excited about, and he'll be able to break down some of the prospects. And then we'll have our live reaction to the Bengals pick next Thursday. One more show coming up this week, and we're finally to the finish line. I know you have great work over on all Bengals. What's up there this week? So I did the interior defensive line uh, that is already out you can check that out but 
I think I've lied before, <laughs> but I really like Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas. So I think I'm going to write about him because I finally found a player that I watched and I went like, I love this guy. So he's a center from Arkansas. Uh, he's projected as like a fourth round pick, but I think maybe even a fifth. I see him as a third. I think he's a top 100 guy. I think he's a guy that would eventually start or at least push for it. So he can play guard and center either side. I'm in. He just snaps ugly, and I want that to stop. He throws knuckleballs back there. But, you know, you could adapt. Uh, there's other things, and I'm, I will write about it, hopefully. Uh, I don't think it will be out by the time you're listening to this. So don't don't go checking all Bengals for it just yet. But I think I think by Friday I'm trying to get that out. Yeah, I'm trying to get that out by Friday. I just want to. I've been writing all about these first round prospects, but yeah, you know, it's fun to find a guy in like day three that you like a lot. No, I love it. Anytime you put someone out there, a couple days later, national media is all on that. Program. Right. This would be Jonathan Mingo. Now, Jonathan Mingo got a first round hype from Peter Schrager. They he said in his mock had him go into the Saints in the first round. So, I mean, all you have to do is just write about a guy and the hype will be real. Uh, yeah, one one quick thing before we wrap this up. Do want to say the Bengals beat writers are the most amazing people in the world. They're We're awesome. Grateful yeah. for their content and uh, can't wait to see more work when it comes to the pre-draft and off-season workouts. Make sure you're following Bengals Sand. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We'll be back later this week on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.